the Film Guide with Max Hartington, part of the St Albans podcast with Danny Smith. Welcome along to another edition of the St Albans Film Guide uh, this week with your friend of mine, Max Hartington, as, as our intrepid guide. Hello, Max. Hello, Danny. Good to be back again. Yeah. So well, this is where we look at uh, Max's choice of films on free-to-air TV for the forthcoming week. We will also look at uh, a, a film in part three, uh, action films, isn't it you're focusing on? Is that action films, all of the classics, but also not just classics, things that uh, maybe stuff that slipped under the radar as well. That's more foreshadowing for a future date because right now it is another classic but right. I like my action films okay but and, and is it action films from a particular era or just action films in general that you're you're focusing on in, in or you just said great action films haven't great you? action films yeah okay uh, action films that take you to the max yes that's what, still still a working title at the moment yeah. but we're, we're getting there every single week no absolutely <laughs> okay so that's um, that, that's part three uh, and then we'll also be looking at uh, new releases on the streaming services I think that there's one from IMDb and a couple from sorry one from <laughs> Netflix and a couple from Prime Video you're giving away a bit of what uh, what's going on by the, where the, we might be behind the it. curtain yes there. <laughs> yes uh, but we start things off with a look at the new releases in the cinema and there are four this week that uh, that are going to be mentioned so uh, tell us about film number one Four new releases this week. So number one is uh, Jujutsu Kaisen Zero. Uh, just what you might find it interesting though, Jujutsu Kaisen, uh, it's a Japanese animated film. Uh, Jujutsu Kaisen directly tra- tr- translates to sorcery fight. So essentially, um, I can give you a little bit of a summary of it. So a, a gentleman known as Yuta Akatsu is haunted and ever since his childhood, a friend, he lost his childhood friend Rika in a traffic accident. Her ghost has supposedly stuck with him. Uh, she's a, sort of an evil spirit who seems to uh, to follow him around and haunt him. Uh, when he has this evil spirit uh, following him around, he gets actually uh, caught by a, well not caught, sort of a, made part of a team of sorcerers. There's, the, there's your uh, sorcery in there. Uh, made to join a sorcery school along with uh, some other students, uh, including a uh, Maki Zenin, a uh, weapon expert, uh, Togi Inomaki, a spellcaster, and Panda, a walking and talking panda bear, which was personally uh, my favourite part of reading about this one so far. Um, as his training progresses, he comes to learn that the danger of the jujutsu world goes far beyond that of just wicked spirits. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is a, an animated thing. You say it's, it's, it's style. Is it Japanese anime? Is that the yes, yeah. the style of the animation here? Okay, uh, and. Now, this I'm not I'm not aware that these films often make it onto local cinema screens, yes. but this one does seem to be on general release all over the place. It's out locally. We checked it. Um, are, they, are these things? Is there some sort of resurgence? Are these things quite popular? I'm just not aware of them. What so there you- is actually there's a big, really big sort of resurgence of these animated films has come out recently. Where you know before we might have had like a really limited release. If you go back to the, the classics ones that people know, like Spirited Away, which was I think an Oscar winner for yeah. animation. Mm. Uh, we've sort of come back to where there's a really sort of popular sort of, um, I think, due to the connections of the internet and things, um, all of these films, uh, people are far more popular. So I know that Jujutsu Kaisen is, while it's, you know, it's not, it's sort of, if you could fit it into my action category, and it's basically a bunch of people fighting all the time. But there's this, because of the real focus on the animation, lots of people are really going to see them. And last year there was, I think it was uh, Demon Slayer Mugen Train, there's another one of these where it's really sort of similar. A, uh, a teenage boy is possessed by some sort of demon and he fights loads of demons on a train. There's a real sort of trend in these. But um, due to you know, all the effort that went into it, it, it had a real sort of uh, blow, uh, blow up over here. Okay, well, Jiu-Jitsu, Jiu-Jitsu Kaisen Zero is out on uh, the 18th of March. 
and it's a certificate 15. Let's move on to our next movie. Coming up next is The Nan Movie. This is a film adaptation of Catherine Tate's famous character, or rather infamous, you could say, uh, Joni Taylor, uh, Nan as she is known, uh, travels from London to Ireland on a road trip with her, with her estranged and, uh, frankly, put-upon grandson, uh, played by Matthew Horne, uh, telling stories about her young years all along the way while she's driving. Okay. Now, what, what, what's your experience of movies like this that are made from a, a comedy TV character that suddenly there's a whole movie? There's been a few of these, a few British ones in particular. So in mo- the one that most recently comes to mind, I can either think of uh, the Mr. Bean movies, which I was a really big fan of, but they came out around the time I must have been about 10 or so. So they yeah. really, really blew up his mind. Or more recently, I can only think of the Alan Partridge film. Yeah, well, that was the one that occurred to me um, as Alan Partridge, Alpha Papa, I think yeah. it was called. Um it's um, I think it's hit and miss David Brent uh, Ricky Gervais did one didn't he oh, not that course, long ago David yeah. Brent Life on the Road um, and uh, I, I, yeah I kind of think that they can be somewhat hit and miss <laughs> and I don't know why but I already think you know Nan works great it's like a you know a five minute sketch yeah and I wonder how it's going to translate into a, a what, like a 95-minute movie. I think that's it. Was You know, David Brent, you had a whole show dedicated to him, which we were cringing the whole way through. But um, Nan is created for a sketch show, isn't she? So you, yeah. you, you have an exposure of five to seven minutes of her. Yeah, yeah. it's not even like a 30-minute <laughs> sitcom episode. It's it's only smaller ep- it's smaller chunks of it. But but then neither of us have seen it, so we don't know. I have to hold back judgment. Um, in terms of casting, though, I, do, I think it's quite interesting. Of course, Catherine Tate is playing uh, Nan because Catherine is known to um, but I think Matthew Horne as her grandson who I think he did in the original show as well yeah yeah he's I haven't, in, the, in, the, in the Catherine Tate show he, yes, he played, yeah. her, played this character it's good to see him making some sort of resurgence considering he's uh, you know, I know him as a bloke from Gavin and State Gavin from Gavin and State yeah yeah um, the, the one who used to know um, James Corden <laughs> yeah um, now, now, sorry so, Matthew I do like you yeah um, actually I'm sa- there was a TV series called um, Catherine Tate's Nan um, so uh, it, obviously it was a, a sitcom for a little while uh, it looks like there might have only been two episodes of it mind <laughs> you but, but it, it has been used elsewhere and also I'd noticed the, that one of the writers on Nan it's written by Catherine Tate as well as her appearing in it but the other writer is Brett Goldstein who recently has been better known as being in Ted Lasso he is and I forget the name now um, uh uh, he's the very aggressive. Is it called Roy Kent? I wouldn't know. Actually, unfortunately, I haven't seen Ted Lasso. It is on that uh, Brett Goldstein. It, he is Roy Kent. Roy Kent. To what I have here. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, Ted Lasso is one that, as I don't have an iPhone, pretty much says that I've been I've been cast out from uh, being able to see Ted Lasso. Fair enough. But uh, but yeah, he he wrote. He also did write um, the Catherine Takes Nan. He was he was a writer on that as well. He was known as a writer, I believe, before he became an actor, and he was one of the writers on Ted Lasso, and then oh. sort of. You know, I think at some point kind of said, you know what, I actually want to play one of these characters and, and done very well. I think he might have got um, an Emmy Award for, for his portrayal. Oh, fantastic. Um, he certainly, I think he got a lot of... Yes, he's, yes, he won an Emmy Award for playing uh, Roy Kent in, uh, in Ted Lasso. <laughs> uh, anyway. Definitely seems like they keep it still in the family then in terms of the uh, people producing on the movie. Yeah, yeah. So it seems like some of the same people that have worked with, with Catherine Tate on this character before. Yeah. So if you like Nan, who knows, maybe it'll be a great movie. Time will tell. Uh, but anyway, that's the that's the second film uh, that is out uh, this week. Uh, again, that's out on the 18th of March, and that's also Certificate 15. 
Next one up, another British movie. Very British, this one sounds. Uh, Phantom of the Open tells the true story of Morris Flitcroft, a crane operator and optimistic dreamer from Barrow and Furnace who, with the support of his family and friends, managed to gain entry to the 1976 British Open, qualifying despite never playing a ground of golf before, ever. Uh, Using his pluckiness and his unwavering self-belief, Morris pulls off a series of stunning, hilarious and heartwarming attempts to compete at the highest level of professional golf drawing the ire of the golfing elite, but becoming a British hero in the process. Uh, it stars Academy Award winner Mike, Ryl- Mike Rylance, who is playing uh, Maurice himself. Mark Rylance. Mark Rylance. Uh, one one of the greatest himself. stage actors that Britain has ever uh, put out there. Oh, fantastic. And yeah, Oscar winner as well. He was um, in uh, Br- uh, Bridge of Spies, the Spielberg movie yes. with Tom Hanks, and he won a Best Supporting Actor Oscar for that. I also know he played the BFG as well, well in the uh, in the more recent Spielberg one. Yeah, yep. Yeah. And he was in uh, Dunkirk, the... Uh, was, it, was it Christopher Nolan? Nolan, yeah. Yeah, he, he was in Dunkirk. And also a big Netflix movie from 2020, The Trial of the Chicago 7. He was, uh, he was I think, the, the lawyer in mm. that. He was very good. So yeah, great, great actor, Mark Rylance. Uh, so uh, do you think he'll do uh, he'll do Maurice Proud in this one then I don't imagine so it's got a good cast Mark Rylance Sally Hawkins Reese really fans yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah it's um, it does sound a little bit like a British tin cup if you've ever yes. seen the Kevin Costner golf movie where that's about a guy who suddenly makes it into the US Open and yeah but uh, but anyway um, it, it, it looks good and I suspect it's going to be very popular locally I'm a really big fan of the cast in this one so. yeah so that's the Phantom of the o- uh, Phantom of the Open ah, they got you there yeah they did uh, Certificate 12A uh, now one more film we're going to talk about uh, in the cinemas this week so four to talk about and this final one is X Number four, X in 1979 a group of young filmmakers set out to make an adult fi- film in rural Texas but when their reclusive elderly hosts catch them in the act the cast find themselves fighting for their lives. I th- this is, might be the shortest description I give of any of these films, but personally, that that sells me on it immediately. <laughs> it does. It does have that. It gives off that vibe, doesn't it, of being um, uh, sort of being sort of Texas Chainsaw Massacre esque. Mm. We talked about the that film the last time you were here yeah. because it had recently been remade by Netflix, and and it, it has that. It does look like that sort of movie from the seventies, mm. and 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 it looks like they've captured the essence of the 70s quite well in this in in this film that is set in the in the 70s and and yeah so this time it's about a bunch of youngsters and it it always happens in horror movies if young people go off and have sex they get killed exactly as a big fan of the friday the 13th franchise that pretty much you know what's going to happen but um you know there's i think it's quite exciting to see it i think it's nice to really sort of be revisiting this have an homage to the sort of, you know, the 70s slashes anyway by having it set there, but having it a bit more recently. Okay. And and um, now there's one one member of the cast in particular that stood out that you, you mentioned to me. Of course. So there's quite a, quite a wide cast in terms of there's a few people. Uh, personally, Scott Miscudi, uh, also known as Kid Cutie, the, the rapper who's, you know, quite well known, uh, was involved in this. And personally, what I thought, found really curious while reading about this was that um, starring in this film X in 2022, uh, Scott Miscudi also did... Uh, helped out on the soundtrack in the film Project X from 2012 so he's clearly every 10 years he's going to get his X film in do we know if he did a film uh, was he involved with the X-Files movie in, in 1998 do we know or, I, or, or I, in fact their, their, their follow up I don't know if he does if it's if it's an X movie his agent wants him in there somewhere I don't know if it's a if it's a thing I, I really hope so <laughs> okay anyway uh, that I mean t- to be fair that looks like it's got a largely forgettable cast and, and, and I think perhaps one knows what they're going to get going in it's some sort of slasher horror movie that, that perhaps 
has a maybe ha- has something of a, a, a comedic charm to it. It does seem like a lot of the cast of a that, well, uh, one of them, General Teague in particular, seems to uh, have have a habit out of being in lots of these uh, horror films. She's also recently starred in Scream, which was earlier this year, and uh, Studio Six Six Six, the film in which the Foo Fighters are trapped in a haunted mansion. So uh, she clearly has a type of film she enjoys being in. I can't blame her for that, but um, I'm sure, as you can imagine, in a film like this, it's a case of maybe don't get too attached to a. Uh, Attached to them too much. Yeah, because they're probably all going to die. And <laughs> Yeah, anyway. Uh, that's X, and that's also... All these movies are out on uh, Friday the 18th of March. Hi, I'm Matt Adams, the heart of the Hearts Advertiser for over 10 years. Join me and host Danny Smith for St Albans Podcast, a weekly look at the news, views and reviews of the city and district of St Albans. As well as our delve into the local stories that matter... We regularly cover topics including health, food and drink, legal matters, the theatre scene and mental health. Alongside our regular features, we talk to people from our wonderful community, sharing some of the amazing work they do. Episodes are released every Wednesday at 7pm and you can find us by going to your podcast platform of choice and searching for the St Albans Podcast. Find out more at stalbanspodcast.com. Time now to take a look at uh, new releases on the streaming services. We have two on Prime Video and one on Netflix. Let's start with Netflix, Max. Of course, starting off with Netflix, uh, coming up this week, we have Windfall, uh, a film which I actually am really excited to see just because of the cast. Uh, This film sees a a man breaking into a tech billionaire's empty vacation home, only to find that things go sideways when the man and his wife are staying in after trying to go for a last-minute getaway. Uh, Reading about this film already, uh, none of the cast actually have any listed names. They all just are simply listed as having a... uh, (laughs) They're simply just... uh, They're listed as just having uh, the titles instead. So uh, the cast has Jason Segel starring as Nobody, uh, Lily Collins starring as Wife, uh, Jesse Plemons starring as CEO, and uh, Omar Lever starring as Gardner. And this film's quite interesting because uh, that's the entire cast. There are four people in this entire film all about being trapped in a house. And that's everyone. That that does sound. Those sorts of things can be quite um, quite interesting. Yeah, you that know, they, they can sometimes be a little bit of a. They can be brilliant. They can be a bit naff, <laughs> I, I suppose. But 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 uh, yeah. Everything about it looks like it's going to be really, really good. Yeah, in a film like this, you have to rely on the actors sort of being able to give a good performance. And I do think it's, I'm, I'm hoping, from what I've seen, it does seem it's going to have a sort of dark comedy bent to it, which you would hope. I mean, Jason Siegel, of course, is known for lots of, um, lots of brand comedies. I know him personally as Marshall from the TV show How I Met Your Mother. It's quite a famous one, but he's also been, he's been in The Muppets. He's been in uh, pretty much every 2000s American comedy film you could think of. I, I Love You, Man, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Uh, Lily Collins, of course, has gone to start. I, I know she's sort of Netflix's big thing at the moment with Emily in Paris, uh, but I personally can only think of she was in extremely shocking, awful, and vile the uh, the Ted Bundy film with Zac Efron, where okay. she where she played uh, one of the people who was sort of a uh, caught in his trap, so to speak. Right, she was in uh, Les Misérables, the TV adaptation from 2019 as well. Uh, a British actress, people oh. uh, might know of. Uh, I I was assuming she was in Downton Abbey, but I think that was Lily James, wasn't it? Yes, Did, yeah, I, I got them mixed up for a while. N- nothing, as well. <laughs> nothing for Lily either side. Um, but anyway, Lily Collins uh, in there as well, and and Jesse Plemons, who 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 seems to be going from strength to strength you know he's getting such notoriety uh, in the, his performances he was of course uh, in The Power of the Dog which did very well at the BAFTAs yes. recently looks like it could be doing rather well at the Oscars too uh, so. he's doing okay but I, I know him you know he's he's grown from his time originally being on Breaking Bad where he played uh, he played some 
person who robs houses under the disguise of being a, uh, someone in a pest control center. He's now just kept going up. Uh, Fargo was another, he was in the Fargo TV yes, series yes. as well. Uh, he did really good. Uh, Black Mirror, he it was a, the star of a Black Mirror episode. And he's married to Kirsten Dunst after Fargo as well. I'm so. not sure if they're married, but they're, they're certainly they're a couple. They're together, ah. and uh, yeah, they, they um, it's he, yeah, she's his partner. I won't jump ahead. I won't. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but I know that it's definitely his partner. Um, Jesse, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> Jesse. I'm pulling for you. If that's the case. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and yes, he's Oscar nominated for uh, best supporting actor for Power of the Dog this year, uh, and he was for he, he was also BAFTA nominated for that as well. Uh, and so yeah, he's, he's doing he's doing rather well for himself there. He's doing something right, yeah. Yeah, you you one would think, but anyway, that's um, that's the the film uh, that uh, called Windfall, which is out on Netflix on uh, the 18th of March. Also on the 18th of March are two new releases, uh, two new original releases on Prime Video. Uh, tell us about the first one. Of course, the first of these is uh, Deep Water, an upcoming uh, psychological thriller that has a sort of a um, how should we say a sort of a a, a dark, an edge to it, sort of thing. So this film stars uh, Ben Affleck and uh, Anna Diarmis. Of course, we we all know Ben Affleck and Anna Diarmis, like very uh, famous actors. Uh, ben Affleck is the the well-to-do husband who allows his wife to have affairs in order to avoid having a di- in, in order to avoid his wife divorcing him. However, uh, there's a bit of controversy stirring up after uh, supposedly the people that she has been seeing uh, begin to disappear horribly. Uh, so it's a question of you know Ben Affleck comes into question. He does have this um, this uh, this history of I suppose being cast as the uh, the the husband who is uh, cast in a negative light by uh, something that the wife has done. If anyone has seen her Gongo, <laughs> yeah, 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 quite. Um, and also directed by Adrian Lin, who I believe is yes is uh, Fatal Attraction and Indecent Proposal, ah. uh, two films that are sort of dark and about you know darker sides of relationships fatal attraction of course being a bloke about a bloke who has an affair and then the the um, woman he has the affair with going a bit psycho yeah. and indecent proposal which I don't know if you'd be familiar with it or not but it's where you had a, a youngish couple and um, a millionaire basically offers them like a life changing sum of money if you can sleep with the wife I actually I, I'm aware of the concept of the indecent proposal but not the film indecent proposal okay that does make my life yeah, sound Rob, a lot more interesting than Rob, it really is. Rob, Robert Redford played the millionaire, and oh, Woody Harrelson yeah. and Demi Moore were the young couple, and he offered them, I don't know, five million dollars to, to oh, wow. sleep with Demi Moore, and uh, yeah, and it was what it did, what that did to their well, I suppose relationship. The film, I suppose the film has a lot of classic ties. It's actually uh, based on a novel from 1957 by Patricia Highsmith that has the same name. Who is the person who wrote? The talented Mr. Ripley and the Ripley novels. Yeah. There was a load of um, Ripley novels uh, that that she Patricia Highsmith wrote, uh, and uh, yeah. Um, so th- th- this, why do I think as well, or, or am I getting this wrong that Anna de Armas and uh, Ben Affleck have appeared together before? Uh, am, am I making that up? I'm trying to think. I'm not too sure if they. Oh, I'm not too sure if they have appeared together because Anna de Armas. I'm trying to think of film. I know that they have. Hmm trying to think where they've crossed paths. I know that I believe during the production of this film they were an item. Maybe that's where I'm uh, that's, maybe what that's what I'm thinking. I'm having a quick look down the list of, of, of credits and I can't see anything. I do think that she is fantastic. I thought really that she great. was one of the standout performances in No Time to Die, the Bond film. Yes. That she, uh, you know, it was she was only in it for a little bit but she stole that. Yeah. You know, she that, was that's so entire good. Scene. And, you know, to, to just have a show up in a scene with Daniel Craig and just, you know, uh, completely blow everyone away really says a lot but of course they worked together on Knives Out didn't they so yeah she's, she was really she's good she's really too. just on the up and up every single 
every time you look, she's doing another big budget starring film. Yeah, yeah, no, she's she's um, she's doing incredibly well uh, for herself, and uh, and and rightly too. You know, she yeah. was great in Knives Out. She was great in No Time to Die, and uh, and this movie as well looks quite interesting. Um, so yeah, so so Ben Ben Affleck looking a little bit shady again, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> what a stretch. And uh, Anna de Armas. I always remember that line, um, wasn't it, in, in one of the um, Jay and Silent Bob movies, the one where they go, is it, they're, they're, they go to Hollywood, or, and there's a thing about uh, a Code 32 on set, and they said, well, Ben Affleck's killed another woman. <laughs> and they went, no, that's Code 19. <laughs> um, not, not that we're joking about the mur- murder of anybody, obviously, no, but, no. But, uh, but yeah. Um, yeah, Adrian Lin as well. Just going back to the director, I noticed on the poster for Deep Water, it says that he directed, yeah, Fatal Attraction, Indecent Proposal, and Nine and a Half Weeks, which is a very steamy, erotic thriller yeah. with Kim Bassinger um, from back in the day, Mickey Rourke. Um, so, you know, he, he's got some, some good pedigree in the films that he's done. And uh, if, if, if those films are any indication, then this one might be quite he's an doing interesting... He's Yeah, the drama mystery thriller is kind of his, his bag, it would seem. Uh, so uh, so yeah so that's uh, Deep Water which is on Prime Video from uh, the 18th of March as is Master final release uh, a final release this week on Prime Video is Master so Master is another um, sort of we're going back to our sort of darker uh, psychological horror films again uh, this one actually so this one focuses on a, um, a New England college in which uh, uh, two African American women are sort of uh, sharing disturbing experiences tied to this idea of um, witches so the film actually ties into the sort of the classic idea of the Salem witch trials and the idea of uh, women being treated as this sort of um, thing that's feared and that people are afraid of. And it sort of takes a twist. It says, um, well, from what I've heard, it seems very sort of inspired by uh, Candyman and Get Out sort of thing. It's very much this sort of a thing. It's exploring through the theme of horror, uh, the idea of um, race, I suppose, which I suppose Jordan Jordan Peele has shown that, you know, you can do an excellent job of that if you look at Get Out. Mm. Um, so in terms of, uh, I can tell you a little bit about the, the concept of the uh, the witch. So the, uh, uh, the, the idea of the witch itself is a, um, uh, there's a spirit that supposedly haunts the university and uh, every year they are, it finds a new sort of university student that it supposedly possesses and haunts and a university tradition is to try and find this ghost and sort of uh, scare it out of people okay um so regina hall of uh, scary movie fame uh, <laughs> from from my experience she's really fantastic um returns as a sort of a, a member of the college uh, a new member of the college staff who's been uh brought in as a diversity hire essentially so it's a bunch of old white white men and women who have brought her on to sort of uh, as for tenure as a, a professor but she's sort of experiencing all these things these hauntings that are going on along with a, a freshman as well uh, played by Zoe Renee uh, who is also sort of experiencing these horrors and it's all about all the things together that they are witnessing and they're you know a little terrified of there's there's a thing here that's that's sort of you know it's almost like life imitating art here it says describing her experiences of racism Regina Hall's character recalls being one of only three black students at her college saying they couldn't tell us apart in a real world parallel the playlist's Sundance Review written by um, uh, Maria Gates originally stated that Regina King not Hall starred in the film Um, so uh, (laughs) yeah um, yeah Anyway, it's probably best to run on that. But uh, yeah, Master is is the final new release on a streaming services, new, new original release on, on streaming services. That one comes to Prime Video on the 18th of March. 
The Film Guide with Max Hartington, part of the Synopolis Podcast with Danny Smith. Part three of this week's Film Guide uh, takes us to uh, Max's great action films. Action films taking it to the max. That does ha- All of that has a nice ring to it. Yeah. So uh, this month, tell us about the film you're focusing on. Of course. So we have gone through uh, the iconic action film. We went for a Schwarzenegger. Uh, last time I think this time we are going to change up we're going for another action great this one is very iconic while we had you know Total Recall is carried but it's a one man show it's it's the Arnie show this one here uh, I went for you know a classic and what better to go for than in my opinion the one of the best buddy cop films ever made the original Lethal Weapon uh, from uh, 1987 uh, Mel Gibson Danny Glover as a Riggs and Myrtle just an absolutely fantastic film yeah, uh, directed by Richard Donner, who uh, back then was very well known for um, bringing Christopher Reeve to the big screen as Superman. Yes, he yeah. directed the first two Superman movies, and also he did, I think, The Omen, and and he's done lots of other films as well, Richard Donner, and went on to do five, at least five movies with Mel Gibson. Um, in fact... No, no, I think he did seven with Mel Gibson. He, you know, they, they, they collaborated frequently. This was their first collaboration. And what a collaboration is all I can say. <laughs> yeah. So um, for those who've not, who aren't aware of Lethal Weapon, what is it about? Of course. So Lethal Weapon, uh, it's the classic. Story. So the, the pair of the uh, cops who basically, you know, uh, Riggs, who is this sort of crazy wild card, uh, Myrtle, who's this sort of a very calm by the book uh older gentlemen are paired together to catch drug smugglers uh, in uh, who are sort of you know making a mess of LA uh, we see loads of fantastic scenes that sort of tie them together like <laughs> the complete opposite lives they live uh, I personally will never get over uh, the scene of Riggs catching a guy uh, on a rooftop and handcuffing himself to him uh, oh a guy be. who was um well he was he was about to jump wasn't he yes and, yeah. and his unique way of bringing him down Yes, just <laughs> to make sure they both go down together. <laughs> yes, um, and 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 lots of um, uh, very iconic moments that that stood out in that movie. That there was a, it was almost a bit cliche today, but but um, there's a very slow mo shot right at the end in the rain where where they're sort of embraced and suddenly they realise that the killer's not dead yeah. and they both you know go, go for their guns and shoot at the same time and it's 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 one of those sort of iconic looking moments now um and there's there's like a torture scene that 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 seems to crop up in these sorts of movies frequently that there's lots of of things that are real staples of of action movies but possibly were started in this movie i think you i think that's what used is so good about lethal weapon you can you can see it as the the genre sort of definer it set everyone's standard for what they want in like an action comedy film mm and that's what Lethal Weapon does. You know, you've got so many great scenes, like the fight scenes, like uh, I said about you know the first, our first sort of introduction to Riggs, uh, the the fights. There's um, I distinctly remember there's one fight with uh, Gary Busey, who also stars in this as a sort of a uh, uh, military henchman, the, the sort of a uh, antithesis to uh, to Riggs. Like they they just have you know duke it out in the rain. It's oh. yeah. Um, in, in yeah, this I felt personally. I mean, you described it as an action comedy. I didn't think this one was that funny. I think this one was darker. I thought yeah. by the second one, they got a good balance of, of, yeah. of, of action and comedy. And then by the third one, I think they possibly went a bit too far with the comedy. Yeah. And then on the fourth one, they reined it back in a little bit. Um, but uh, do you do you have a favourite of the Lethal Weapons? I mean, you've gone with the first one, but is that because yeah. it's your favourite? I still would think that I think Lethal Weapon has a sort of darker comedy. Two, two you know, as Joe Pesci, who of course is absolutely fantastic as a uh, leo 
uh, really good, uh, really plays it up. And I do think two, two for me does sort of hold a special place as, as perfecting the balance of action and comedy. There's some again, I I could spend about a, I think I could pretty much if, if anyone wants to listen to me uh, <laughs> describe every single scene from Lethal Weapon over audio, I'd be more than happy to. But I think one just really nails the first sort of uh, iterations of these characters and. Personally, uh, the Martin Riggs we see in this film, I think there's a sort of edge to him that we, while it's still there in the later ones, it's really present in this one in particular. Now, he's lost his wife. He doesn't really know. He doesn't really have feel like he has much purpose apart from just being this absolutely manic uh, cop who I'm actually, I've got a picture of him uh, pulling his crazy eyes looking at me right now, which is sort of reminding me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it tackled as well uh, topics that weren't often tackled in, certainly in, in movies of this ilk, which was to do with mental health and his mental health in particular. And we, we see him as a broken man mourning the loss of his wife at the beginning of the movie, contemplating suicide. Yeah. And there's a couple of moments in the film where they do touch upon that. And, and it, it, it's, you know, Mel, Mel Gibson is a better actor than perhaps action movies would give him credit for. And, and, and subsequently, he's proven that in other movies he's done. Yeah. But, but certainly in this, part of what elevated this, I think, is the acting of, of both him and Danny Glover. Yeah. And, and, um, and also that there was always a, I always felt there was a family feel to this movie, that all these movies all had largely the same cast and crew throughout. Yeah. The, the supporting characters who played um, Murtagh's family, it was the same actors all the way through. And in the first one, you know, some of the kids are really small yeah. and by the fourth, one they're they're adults it's crazy and yeah it's the same ones it's the same director all the way through danny glover it's he's got so many of these um these tropes that 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 they kept and i think that came through and also produced by joel silver who who was mr 1980s action movie because he did predator he did uh die hard he did the die hard movies he did the lethal weapon movies he he did most of those types of movies they were all joel silver movies yeah we can have this be joel silver's first appearance in the uh, in, in my great action film sort yeah. of uh, setting but we'll see how many times he does make a reappearance well you never know i mean I, I suspect he'll come back a few more times yet but anyway that's uh that's max's choice uh for uh his his feature there of max's great action films that is lethal weapon from 1987 I'm Elspeth Jackman, inviting you to listen to my podcast, One to One with Elspeth. Find a local person with a story, and I'll be there to draw out all those little details you want to know about. If I'm fascinated, so will you be. Each week, I'll be talking to an interesting character who has a tale to tell. And the beauty of it is, you can listen whenever you want to. To find the podcast, go to your podcasting platform of choice and search for the St. Albans Podcast. Alternatively, go to stalbanspodcast.com slash Elspeth. That's one-to-one with Elspeth, part of the St. Albans Podcast in association with the Hearts Advertiser. You never know, you could be my next guest. Time for the final part of this week's film guide where we look at Max's choice of films on free-to-air TV for the forthcoming week. And we start off with Friday the 18th of March, 9pm on 5 Star, 28 Days Later. So for those of you who haven't seen 28 Days Later, it's pretty much, it's the film that invented the whole, the fast film, the fast running zombie. And it's, I think really, it's tied to the whole sort of uh, you know, there was the big sort of resurgence of the zombie films. We had them in the 80s with the original sort of Dawn of the Dead and stuff. 
the, uh, the early 2000s we sort of saw a massive resurgence I think it's tied to this film but really fantastic uh, Killian Murphy stars as a, a man who wakes up in a hospital who's been in a coma for you know, what 28 days uh, to find that London is just completely in chaos no one's around it's almost like everyone disappeared there's a chilling scene isn't there right yeah. at the beginning where he's he's walking along um, uh, towards Big Ben and going across the bridge and, and, and London's just empty yeah and to know that they did that without CGI, that they actually had to film it very early on a Sunday morning and close some streets off to be able to, to get that shot. Uh, but but uh, but yeah, really, um, re- really chilling stuff, wasn't it? You just couldn't imagine that now, could you? Like, could you imagine any opportunity to get London that quiet? I don't think it would ever happen. <laughs> but yeah, so um, really, I... Choose, I chose this one because, like I said, it is a real sort of classic staple. It's a really good story as well. Um, so he sort of finds himself trapped in London. He uh, manages to band together with a small group of survivors. Uh, runs into uh, a cabbie played by Brendan Gleeson, who lots of people may know. Really sort of fantastic actor who's uh, grown since this like sort of film in the past couple of years. Uh, Naomi Harris, of course, who played... Uh, Money Penny, Money in, Penny in, in the, the more Bond recent films. Bond films, yeah. and Christopher Eccleston stars as an army general. I, I don't want to say too much more about the plot because I want people to watch it. But Christopher Eccleston's character in this really fantastic as well. He's he's a real nasty piece of work. <laughs> yeah, um, yes, he's great. And when you think he, he was also Doctor Who, it's, it shows what what range the actors got because he's not at all like Doctor Who in this. Yeah, he's not at all cheery in this. No, one. But, but yeah, uh, four weeks after a mysterious incurable virus spreads throughout the UK, imagine that, uh, a, a handful of survivors try to find sanctuary. That That's a pretty simple but quite a chilling plot there, isn't it? You don't need too much. You just need, you know, a nice setting, uh, some empty shots of London and you can really uh, ramp up the terror, I suppose. And Killian Murphy was re- really good in this film as well. And and also wonderfully directed by Danny Boyle. Yeah, that's so. Danny Boyle, of course, uh, Slumdog Millionaire, 127 Hours, really fantastic. I think oh, Train Spotting, of course. I don't know why I'm skipping over something that he's so well known for. Yeah, um, and uh, and there is um, 28 weeks later the sequel, uh, and and coming soon. I've seen a poster for it already. Um, 28 months later. Really? Which uh, is not out yet, although it's not started filming yet, but there is a poster of it already and it just says coming soon. Oh, well, um, as someone who really liked 28 Days Later, I did like 28 Weeks Later as well, but it's not, I feel like it doesn't quite have... 28 Days Later has this sort of noughties grunge to it. Also, it kind of, to me, felt like it was a complete film in its own right. Yeah. The fact that they then brought out a sequel that was set around about six months or so later... It, I didn't think it needed it, but it, I didn't think it was a bad film. It felt like it was more a case of they wanted to build... They they had this universe they wanted to use instead, rather than it was a case of, oh, we really like these characters again. Yeah. Uh, but, but yes, great great um, original take on, on, a, on, on a zombie movie, which I guess has been done to death. Yes. Um, and, and also, probably... You're so, you're so proud of that, aren't you? <laughs> probably as well. I hadn't really thought about it until you fell out of my mouth. But also... Um, it's something of a precursor to things like The Walking Dead yeah. that, that, uh, that, that perhaps would not have done so well without this before it. Uh, even though The Walking Dead doesn't have running zombies in it, it it's, this, this really did a lot to rejuvenate a yeah. franchise or a, a genre of movie. Put it, put it back in the public eye. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, 28 Days Later, very original, entertaining uh, and scary uh, zombie movie. Uh, that's on Friday the 18th of March, 9pm on Five Star. Saturday the 19th, 9pm on ITV4. I don't know if you've gone for this because of the star or because of the name, but it's Mad Max too. It's got to be the name. It's also the star as well. So bringing back Mel Gibson from earlier uh, <laughs> for being in Lethal Weapon. Uh, Mad Max 2, uh, 
in my opinion, uh, closely tied with um, Fury Road, of course, that came out recently, 2016, uh, is the peak of this series. It's really... Mad Max 1, of course, is really nice, but Mad Max 2 is the one where it really finds its place. And again, uh, going back to saying that Mel Gibson really helps define a genre, but this one here, this establishes so much. It really creates this sort of like amazing environment of a, a post-apocalyptic world where, you know, Max drives around in his, in his Dodge and he encounters all sorts of awful people. Um, so he finds himself... Uh, so uh, following one from the original sort of um, uh, Mad Max where Max was previously a road warrior. He had his family. He was all together. This one sees him in this like proper uh, wasteland after the, the oil wars where Max is forced to basically help this community who save his life, uh, sort of drive them away from their community surrounded by all these awful raiders led by this awful, absolutely massive uh, man in his underpants wearing a hockey mask is threatening them. <laughs> Yeah, and and yes, it 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 works. It's low budget, but they use that to its advantage because of its setting. It it, yes. it works that it's set in a post-apocalyptic wasteland because they didn't have any money to spend on it anyway. So, <laughs> you know, make it look all dirty and run down and, and horrible because you know it doesn't cost as much. You believe it, yeah, yeah, uh, and and yeah. These, so these were American, uh, Australian movies, and and George Miller's Australian uh, director, and he was uh, writer and director of of all of these movies, including uh, Fury. Road, the more recent one with Tom Hardy playing the um, the, the the Mad Max character, mm. and Tom Hardy's character. There were plenty of clues within it that it was the same character, and it wasn't. Um, it was a continuation because he had injuries and wounds that yeah. Mel Gibson's character picked up in the earlier movies. It sounds so silly, but seeing uh, the progression of Max as a character, what what to me really stood out was the whole. I watched the. I actually watched the all of these films in order, which is really quite impressive because I watched them all in order for when uh, the original uh, Fury well, Fury Road came out. But there's a he takes an injury in the first film and has a leg brace that he wears in every film going after. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's that sort of thing. So you know it's the same character. Personally, and I know that Mel Gibson is a bit of a controversial character, and I know that he's had his his, his issues, shall we say. <laughs> uh, but I'd have loved to have seen him in Fury Road, and I I, I think that it, it, his personal life would have not taken away from playing a character that's a bit a bit of an anti-hero yeah um and yeah it, it's it i mean you know not wishing to really comment on what's what he's done and i know that that you know that people have come back from worse in yeah. in in hollywood and uh and and yes it's good to see i've always been a fan of his and it's good to see that his work is being recognized yeah. again and, and recently you know great success with hacksaw ridge and he's had some success in front of the camera as mm. well of late but but this was this was pre-hollywood fame uh, 1981, uh, very very long time ago now. But uh, but but uh, really, the weapon. Oh yes, several Free years before. Weapon, yeah yeah. yeah. Um, all three of the Mad Max films were before Lethal. The third yeah. one was a lot uh, far bigger budget and, and and yeah, it's 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 a lot more. You know, I'll sound really. It's a lot more Hollywood than uh, Mad Max one and two. But yeah. two two really feels like where the series finds its feet. It knows what it wants to do. It has these fantastic action films and car chases. Action yeah. films, action scenes, and car chases. Yeah, and, and and so yeah, he did um, uh, Mad Max Two, which I believe was in. Uh, I think it was credited as it was called the Road Warrior. I think in Australia originally, um, but became known as Mad Max Two later. Uh, but then he did that, and then and then he he did some very great critically acclaimed movies around. Then he did Gallipoli, uh, and he did one called Tim, where he played a, a guy with special needs that he got a lot of critical acclaim for in his ah. early career. And then he went on to be in a film called The Year of Living Dangerously with Sigourney Weaver. 
and uh, that I think got some Oscar note um, attention. I don't think for him personally, but it, it the film did reasonably well. Put him on the track. Yeah, and then he, he was in uh, the Bounty, where um, where he played Fletcher Christian alongside um, Anthony Hopkins, and he started to make a name for himself and break out. And this was around about the time that it all started to kick in for him. Mm. Uh, and, and then yeah, you know, after the the huge success of the third Mad Max film, he then got Lethal Weapon and, and became this big Hollywood star. The rest is history. Kind of, yeah. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> that's uh, Mad Max 2, uh, the 19th of, on Saturday, the 19th of March, 9pm on ITV4. Let's move on to Sunday, the 20th of March, 7.55pm on 5 Action, Every Which Way But Loose. A classic here that stars Clint Eastwood, but not as a cowboy. Uh, Clint Eastwood stars well, he's as... he's kind of a modern cowboy. <laughs> Truckers are known as the, as the modern cowboy yeah. here in the 80s. Uh, he, Clint stars as Philo Badeau, an easygoing trucker and great fist fighter. His two friends, Orville, uh, Jeffrey Lewis, uh, and his friend Clyde the, Clyde the orangutan uh, help him promote prize fights so that he can make money and drink beer. Uh, the orangutan he won on a bet, and the, together they roam the San Fernando, San Fernando Valley... Uh, in uh, California in search of cold beer country music and the occasional punch up Uh, things change when Philo finds himself floored by dainty country and western singer Lynn Housley Taylor played by Sandra Locke who gives him the slip when she realises he's getting too serious Phil Clyde and Orville set off in pursuit pestered by a biker gang so it's a great um, it's a great movie it's uh, it was one of the biggest movies of its time it was 1978 this one came out mm. and then there was a sequel uh, which came out a little bit later um, uh, but um, you you saw this film recently for the first time what, what were your what's your impression of it I think it's a lot of fun it's you know I say that I like my action films because I don't have to think think very hard but uh, in this film you don't you don't have to think really hard at all uh, if you just want to see, uh, firstly, this part of the description saying that uh, Philo looks for cold beer, country music, and the occasional punch-up, pretty much thumbs it up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's, it, a, he's a bare knuckle fighter, isn't he? Yeah. He's, he and yeah, it. The film, it had all those sort of classic hallmarks from action movies of the time. It had barroom brawls, and yeah. it had beer, and it had women, and it it had the odd car chase, and 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 also, I think it's fair to say that this was a departure for Clint because this was really his first outright comedy, hmm. and this was the sort of thing that Burt Reynolds was doing in the, back in the day. Uh, so he 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 was trying something different. And I think it kind of worked. I think he did a really good job. I think it really shows that Clint, despite his you know stern face or sort of thing, he is able to to he is good at comedy. He can play he can play off his face really well. Like the way he reacts in this film, he is still very sort of um, straight laced, isn't he? Let's be honest. But he's still some of the, some of the one liners he's able to sort of get off are still really really good. It's also, cool. a lot of the interaction with the orangutan, I think, was led to a lot of humour in it because it just was funny. I think that's the realest co-star interaction I've ever seen Clint have I know that he's been in lots of films with, with his partners at the time but to me uh, <laughs> Clint and Manus the orangutan's relationship was very real I could get the sense that the two of them you know they, they had bonded. each other's backs there's a great quote uh, Clint Eastwood said that Clive the orangutan was one Clyde the orangutan was one of the most natural actors I've ever worked with but you had to get him on the first take because his boredom level was very limited <laughs> Uh, and and yeah, it's uh, it was so good. They did a sequel a couple of years later, and I believe that ad- adjusted for inflation, uh, that those two movies were two of the biggest films that Clint Eastwood's ever done. Wow, but they were massive, massive hits uh, for him. And well, I do think there's something for all the family here. Yeah. So so having seen the first one, are you would you are you keen to see the second? I think I'm excited to see the second one. I think the the opportunity is there. I think I, I mean, if I can just see more of more of Philo, you know, I don't have to think too hard about it. It's not going to be. Uh, 
it's not going to be too intensive one but i'm just going to sit down have a beer and enjoy there you go that's uh, every which way but loose which it does seem is on itv uh, or one of the itv channels most weeks this one's on five action though um but it does seem to be on quite frequently. So if you miss it this time, you probably catch it in a week or you two. Can find, you will find time to watch it. Yeah. Anyway, that's on 5 Action, 7.55pm on Sunday, the 20th of March. Let's move to Monday, the 21st of March on ITV4, 9pm, Collateral. This one is fantastic. This is I'm a, a massive fan of this film. Uh, this action thriller, uh, again, I, I really do have a type. So action thriller follows an LA cabbie named Max DeRocker, played by um, Jamie Foxx, of course. Uh, he's the type of person who can, you know, judge other people's lives, uh, which impresses a, uh, which, you know, sees him impressing a US Justice Department prosecutor, Annie Farrell. Uh, so much that she actually gives him her number. That's how our film starts. However, the next person that he picks up is none of none other than a frosted frosted tip. Um Frosted Tips Tom Cruise in this film what do you mean by Frosted Tip because you did a you did a thing there that I know what you meant but the listener won't have seen that of course yeah I'm doing hand gestures really good content for a podcast there Uh, so Frosted Tips sort of um, uh, he's had his hair dyed very white here Uh, a man played by Tom Cruise yeah who is absolutely fantastic in this film Uh, he is a very sort of we'll call him uh, he plays a man called Vincent a very sort of shifty individual who has Max, uh, you know, he basically pays him a lot of money to be his sort of personal chauffeur for the nights. Uh, Vincent has him sort of uh, visit lots of different places. And after about his second stop, it becomes very apparent that uh, Vincent's not up to anything good, we'll say. He's, uh, he's here to collect some money and uh, maybe throw some people off buildings, which has Max sort of questioning uh, if he still wants to do this, where he is in his life. Uh, and as the night keeps mounting up and we see that Vincent has uh, more and more dodgy deals to do, uh, we have uh, Max sort of fighting his moral sense, like, is he going to do the right thing? Is he going to try and stop Vincent? Is he going to go along, take the money? Uh, how will the night end out? It's um, got a great cast as well. Uh, looking at this, Mark Ruffalo's in there. Uh, you've got uh, Javier Bardem, a very early part for Javier Bardem. Mm. He, he's in that movie as well. And the, the, the woman in it, um, Annie, that you mentioned uh, right at the start there, is uh, Jada Pinkett-Smith, mm. um, Mrs. Will Smith. Yeah. Uh, she, she's in there as well. What do you think of uh, Tom Cruise then as a villain? Oh, Tom Cruise in this film is... His his presence is... I mean, he's terrifying. Like, I mean, you think Tom Cruise can be kind of a bit scary anyway if you get on the wrong side of him. But in this film, he's Don't want to just... talk religion with him, do you? <laughs> in this film... He just has this real sort of menace to him. He like he feels like a really nasty person. He's a total bully. But he plays it so well and it does make me think I wish that Tom would take the chance to give him to have take on another role where he can be a, a nasty person like this. I do I you know, I won't say that I will never complain about uh, the Mission Impossible films. Tom does a great job in there, but he, he always has to be the good guy, sort of thing. What if, what if he could just have another chance to be a real nasty piece of work like this again? Let me put it to you though that maybe he was so good in this one because he's a good actor, but mm. two because he doesn't normally play this part that he's playing yeah. against type. And if he were to do it frequently, maybe it wouldn't be as impactful. Maybe it wouldn't be, but it does. It does make this film a real standout because every time you see, you hear Tom Cruise sort of shout things at Jamie Foxx in this, you you feel like you're really in that cab with them. So I uh, I want to mention as well when talking about this movie, which is a, 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 a agree with you, a complete classic movie. Great director, mm. in Michael Mann, who has done. I, I mean, I've got a list of his movies here, and it's just it's just something else. He did Manhunter, which was the original. A Hannibal Lecter film with Brian Cox playing oh. Hannibal Lecter before Anthony Hopkins played him a few years later. He did Manhunter. He did um, uh, he did The Last of the Mohicans, which was Daniel Day Lewis, and I think 
got Daniel Day-Lewis an Oscar, or at least yeah. it got him a nom- nomination for that part. Um, it, yeah, it was um, it was a, a cracking movie. Um, Producer of Heat as well. Uh, director of Heat. Director of Heat. Yeah, director of Heat, no less. And um, he was also the uh, guy behind Miami Vice, the TV series, and the movie ah. uh, with with Jamie Foxx in it as well. He he's done so many really good films uh, as Michael Mann. I uh, think what it says, and he's got a very short list of films. He hasn't done that yeah. many, and and the ones he's done are just classics. I think he's all about intensity. If you think about Heat, you think about how intense every single like chases and that, and in this one. By confining, you know, it, it, you are, can argue the film is set around, you know, all of LA, but realistically, it's set in this cab with, uh, you know, Tom Cruise in the back seat and Jamie Foxx in the front seat. Yeah. Um, I'm just looking at his list here. He's done six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, twelve movies he's made, which, which, given that he's been making movies since the very early 80s, that's an awful lot of films that he's done there. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, that's, sorry, that's not an awful lot of films he's done there. That's a short number of films over, over what, four decades. Yeah. Uh, and, and uh, yeah, but, but the, the ones he's done. Ali, he did um, the Muhammad Ali biopic with Will Smith. Oh, of course. Um, the Insider, which was Russell Crowe and Al Pacino. Uh, he, he's done some uh, great, great movies. Uh, uh, and uh, yeah, so uh, that's that's one of his classics as well, uh, Collateral, which is Max's choice for uh, Monday the twenty first of March, ITV four nine pm. We move to Tuesday the twenty second of March, <laughs> Film four six forty pm, slightly different in tone, Home Alone two, Lost in New York. Kevin McAllister, played by Macaulay Culkin, is back, but this time he's in New York with enough cash and credit cards to turn the Big Apple into his own playground. But Kevin won't be alone for, lo- alone for long when the notorious Wet Bandits, played by Harry, Joe Pesci, who I mentioned earlier, and Marv, Daniel Stern, uh, are still <laughs> still smarting from their last encounter with Kevin in the original Home Alone. Spoiler for the original Home Alone there. But uh, they do sort of, you know, they get their comeuppance uh, in the first film. So they are back also in New York. And when they see him, uh, where they, while they're planning their huge holiday heist, they decide they can get revenge as well. Kevin is ready to welcome them with a, an absolute smattering of booby traps just like he did in the previous one. And he's going to give them a, a sort of a treatment they'll never forget, I can say. Um, yes, I mean, the, these were great. These were great movies. They're certainly the first two, I think, were very, very uh, well received and, and, and acclaimed. And uh, from uh, Chris Columbus as well, who who was a, a, a very uh, prolific director of... He did the first couple of Harry Potter films. Uh, he has directed um, the Home Alone movies. He did a lot of a lot of 80s classics mm. as well, I think. Um, in Adventures in Babysitting was one I remembered from the 80s that he did. Uh, Mrs. Doubtfire as well was him. Uh, he, you know, he's, he's, the two Percy Jackson films... Jingle uh, All The Way. Was, was Jingle, Jingle All The Way. He knows how to make a family film. And that's what this is. I think if Collateral is your sort of very intense one, you know, Home Alone is Home Alone 2 was something you can just sort of uh, leave it on. Yeah, he was, he was only the producer of Jingle All The Way, so it's not totally his fault. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but nonetheless, uh, yeah, he's been involved either producing or directing uh, lots and lots of, of sort of classic comedies and family-type movies. Yeah. And Home Alone 2 is, is a great addition to that list. So that's... Tuesday the 22nd of March, 6.40pm on Film 4. Might be a little out of season, but it's a bit cold, so maybe put it on. Okay. Uh, Wednesday the 23rd of March, ITV4, 9pm, Jaws. An absolute film classic here. So it's a hot summer on Amity Island, we're in a small community uh, whose main business is its beaches. Uh, The new sheriff, Martin Brody, discovers the remains of a shark attack victim. That's our sort of our prompt for our uh, <laughs> what happens in Jaws. Uh, his first his first choice is to close the beaches to all swimmers. Uh, this of course doesn't uh, 
if you know a bit about George, you're going to know that uh, the local community isn't very supportive about this idea of closing the beaches. Uh, Mayor Larry Vaughan and several of the local uh, local businessmen uh, go against this. Uh, Brody backs down to his regret uh, as that weekend a young boy is killed by the predator, uh, leading to a bounty being put on the shark's head. Uh, this leads to a local fisherman with much experience hunting sharks, Quint, offering to hunt down the creature for a hefty pee. Hefty, hefty fee. Are you sure? <laughs> he offers to hunt down the creature for a hefty fee, and soon Quint, Brody, and Matt Hooper uh, from the Oceanographic Institute are at sea hunting the great white shark on their very little boats. So uh, that's that's George. I mean, people know basically it's a shark, and it all goes a bit wrong. Uh, but, <laughs> but one of the things I, I like about uh, Jaws that, that is a less known fact perhaps but uh, Steven Spielberg uh, is of course a classic early film mm-hmm. for him he was 28 when he made it and he made a classic movie by by any measure it is a classic mm. film and and I often think this is a great example of like youth empowerment um, I, I heard recently about a theatre group that was reluctant to let somebody direct a, a local amateur production uh, because uh, she didn't have a lot of experience uh, and she was nearly 40 and was fairly successful in, in, in her industry <laughs> Steven Spielberg was 28 and given like multi-million yeah. pound uh, budget to make a big big Hollywood movie yeah 28 threw so, money at him and they said go make a film about a shark yeah I mean he had done I think he'd done at least one other film before then uh, but but yeah great film and and very um yeah great performances Roy Scheider and Richard Dreyfus and Robert Shaw as the main three uh, chaps in the mm. movie uh, you know they they were really good very solid along with a good supporting cast but um I think one of the best things of it was the fact that the shark that they tried to use for filming didn't work the mechanical yeah. shark <laughs> broke down all the time so they had to come up with other ways and and so therefore came up with the idea of filming things from the shark's perspective film it from the shark's point of view and then you don't have to see the shark because you can just see the shark approaching a swimmer um and and by doing that it added to the movie if if that shark worked as they planned i don't know if we'd have the classic that we've got today. i don't think we'd be talking about it right now if that shark had worked but of course you know the shark's presence despite that the soundtrack like if you even if you haven't seen jaws you've seen something that yeah. jaws has, has the, the music won an oscar um yeah. for john williams uh, great score and and you know you hear those those notes now and you know that means shark and it's scary <laughs> but that's Jaws uh, a classic movie from 1975 uh, and that is on Wednesday the 23rd of March ITV4 9pm well, let's move to our final film choice uh, for the week Thursday the 24th of March on Great Movies it is 9pm The Terminal so of course we've actually we've just had our Steven Spielberg fix so this week I recommend Wednesday and Thursday you can get your, your, your double fix of Steven Spielberg uh, this film stars uh, Tom Hanks as Victor Victor Nevorsky, who reaches JFK Airport in um, in uh, New York uh, from a politically unstable country. Uh, however, while he's in the airport, uh, there's a collapse in his government. His papers are no longer valid inside the airport, and hence he is forced to stay in the airport until the war at home cools down. He makes the airport his home and develops a friendship with the people working around him who are there until he can leave. Uh, this is a really it's a really sweet film. I honestly, it was just it's a real treat to watch. Uh, Tom Hanks does a really fantastic job but it's just it also really answers that question I always had of you know how long could I stay inside an airport and uh, would I lose my mind <laughs> yeah um, it's loosely based on a true story 
as well um, about a guy who um, was uh, an Iranian refugee who landed at Charles de Gaulle uh, Airport in Paris after being denied entry into England because his passport and United States refugee certificate had been stolen. But the French authorities wouldn't let him leave uh, the airport and he remained in Terminal 1 uh, where he, he couldn't go anywhere else. And uh, and yeah, it, um, yeah, apparently he was there for quite some time. And then DreamWorks, who made the movie, paid him um, a quarter of a million for the use of his biography. So yes, well, it was based loosely on on that that gentleman's not too experiences. Bad. Make some make some money and get played by Tom Hanks, despite to have your experience put on the big screen. Yeah, and another um, example, or another another um, uh, another instance of Tom Hanks and Steven Spielberg working together. I think they've done four or five movies together now. Bridge of Spies, which we mentioned earlier with Mark Rylance, was Tom Hanks and Steven Spielberg as well. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but yeah, the um, all comes together. Yeah, Tom Hanks though so bankable. Yeah, everything he everything he does, uh, yeah, even even maybe some movies that aren't quite as good as others. Yeah, he's still so good. Saving Private Ryan, of course, another great of example of Spielberg and Tom Hanks working together. Uh, and a really good cast in this one as well. What I find quite funny about this cast, this film, of course, is you know early two thousands, two thousand and four. Uh, lots of actors in this, I feel, really start to get their, have their career blow up in the two thousand and ten. So quite a while after this, you've got well, apart from Catherine Zeta Jones, of course, who is uh, sort of. Um, Sort of Victor's sort of a, a person that he like really likes to talk to because she's always in the airport doing business. But of course, you've got other really fantastic. You've got Stanley Tucci, Stanley Tucci. I'm hoping I'm saying this right. Yeah, yeah. Diego Luna, who I found is someone who really sort of picked up. Um, his career is really sort of picking up recently. Of course, uh, he's done quite a few films. He's now starring in Star Wars as well, or he's in Rogue One recently, the sort of spin-off Star Wars film. Zoe Saldana, who of course is now doing a lot more like Guardians of the Galaxy and lots of other yeah, yeah, and the, and the Star Trek um, movies as well she mm. was in uh, yeah I, I was just looking here so Steven Spielberg and Tom Hanks have done five movies together uh, they did Saving Private Ryan Catch Me If You Can with Leonardo DiCaprio as well uh, The Terminal uh, Bridge of Spies and then more recently again The Post which was about um, it was set in the 70s and it was uh, Watergate wasn't it it was pre-Watergate it was pre-Watergate but it involved the, the, the same newspaper and some of the same characters and it ends with the beginning of the Watergate scandal, uh, but uh, but yeah, some some great movies there that that they have collaborated on together. But that's uh, that's Max's final choice uh, for the week. That's the Terminal, which is on nine pm on Great Movies uh, on Thursday, the twenty fourth of March. Now, Max, uh, which of those movies is your film of the week? Which is the one? If if I can only watch one this week, which one should I watch? See, it was really close there for a minute. I wanted to be really predictable and say Collateral, but I'm actually going to go with Jaws. I think if you want to go, if you want something to watch this week, go for the absolute classic. Okay, thank you, Max. Uh, Max's list of films that he's recommended there on TV, uh, the list is in the description of this episode right now. Uh, you can also see it on our website, stalbanspodcast.com. Next week, it is the return of uh, producer Sam uh, hosting the film guide. And uh, yeah, if you want to find out more, check out our website, stalbanspodcast.com, or find us on the social media platforms Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, where we are at St. Albans Podcast. See you soon. Thank you, Max. See you soon.